Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is The Bread of Life. This is a program of the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. You can go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org to learn more about our work in over 40 different countries. You can also find us through the links at breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll learn about our Mission Fellowship, where we meet Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise, Idaho. Today, we take up again our consideration of the new life that belongs to the truly saved person. This life will not make you unrecognizable on the streets or totally change your old personality, but it certainly will cover it with a whole new presentation, one that is not superficial, but one that rises out of a heart glowing with the life of Jesus, living out himself from the inside. With that life comes a new love, a new mind, and a dramatically new obedience. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His abundant mercy, He has begotten us. That's being born again, folks. Again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's a resurrection life. To inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Go down to verse 23 now. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Go over to 2 Peter for a moment. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According to His divine power hath He given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. How were we saved? By His divine power which opened up to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, and by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. There's another description of the regenerate life. Partakers of the divine nature nature. Well, there's so much more we could read. The other day, I had someone call me and tell me that they were reading through the notes that they took in sermons past, that they take careful notes of the sermons that I preach. I had another person contact me and explain to me that they were actually going through the notes they'd taken from sermons on James and were using it in a course they were teaching, someone who doesn't live in Idaho anymore. Just a little while ago, I was speaking to one of our young men who is become a junior high student, and I encouraged him that what he ought to do is begin to take notes in the service. So if you've been taking notes, and you like to take notes, and you get confused about them, I'm going to be referring back here for our first two points to things we've already said in past notes. The points are not going to follow in order here, right? So our first point is to go back and look at our first point that we made about this doctrine of regeneration and just make a few more observations or a couple more observations underneath it. And this was our first point. Regeneration is an internal work where God makes us a whole new person by putting His life in us. Through the Holy Spirit's indwelling, Christ abides in us. God lives within us. This thing that we call being born again is a way of describing the moment in which an individual receives this life from God. Ezekiel speaks of this life in Ezekiel 36, 26. He describes it as 
having been given a new heart and having a new spirit put within us. Romans 6 describes it as coming from death unto life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 describes it, as we've read, as becoming a new creation. Ephesians chapter 2 describes it as being quickened or made alive from the dead. Colossians chapter 3 describes it as putting off the old man and putting on the new man. Titus chapter 1 describes it as the washing and cleansing of regeneration. 2 Peter chapter 1, we read, describes it as being partakers of the divine nature or being called out of darkness into the marvelous light. And all of these are wonderful expressions of the complete transformation where the Christian becomes something that he never was and never could be without the direct action of God upon his life, making him something new, something that God did. It's not something that we made of ourselves. A little word that we read in John chapter 1, verse 13 says that we were born of God. And that word there in the Greek means out of God. And it speaks of the source of this life. This life is from God. It's of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes a very good study on this one word or reference to this one word here in John chapter 1, verse 13. He says this, When God creates... He makes something that exists external to himself. He does not impart himself to that thing. It exists, in a sense, outside of himself. But when he gives birth, new life to a new child, the Christian, he brings that life to him from out of his own nature. Born of God. God's life extended to us in the life. And so that's why in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, we are told that we've not been born of corruptible seed, but that we've been born of incorruptible seed. It's as if Peter is saying what we said last week, and that is that God has given us birth, a birth whereby now we have His own DNA in our lives. This is the life of God imparted to us. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, and we read it. And so we have become partakers of the divine nature. That's regenerate life. We have his own life within us. The characteristic of his own being has come to us because he's breathed himself into us and he lives within us by the presence of his Holy Spirit so that we have all things that we need pertaining to life and godliness, being like God. Partakers, he says, of His divine nature, because within us is not a corruptible seed of flesh trying to be better, but of God's own life living within us, imparted to us. That's regeneration. Now what God does is He doesn't change our personalities altogether. But this life that we have is not somehow an extension or a perfecting of the personality that we have either. It rises out of God's life in us. It's from God. So here's what a person can expect when they've been born again. When a person becomes a Christian, his life becomes something that we cannot account for on natural terms. You know how it is. Now we account for things the way children behave on natural... Well, he's acting just like his father. 
He's acting just like his mother. When our children were particularly unruly, what I would say to my wife was, Honey, now please explain to me how your family dealt with this kind of behavior. I have no, we have no history to draw from in our family on this kind of... How did your family deal with this? <laughs> you account for these things naturally. Or when they're sweet and kind, you say they're like their grandmother or the nice grandmother. No, we had nice grandmothers on both sides of our family. And when they're bad, they're always behaving like their grandfathers or their father. There's a natural explanation. But when a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ and this work of regeneration is produced in their lives, there's no natural explanation for what's happening. This is not an extension or a perfecting of grandma's attributes or grandpa's or mom's or dad's. This is not a recessive gene that's manifesting itself and every few generations you get a good one. That's not what this is. This is not just an improvement of the old Joe. He's just not a polished up version of his old self. He's something new. Something wonderfully new. Daniel Shiesta is an individual who was from Iran and he left Iran and had to flee from Iran, even though he had been a part at one time of the guard that was a part of the movement of the early movement away from the Shah of Iran and, and supporting the Ayatollah in Iran. Eventually, at some point in time, he got on the wrong side of the powers that be and he had to flee for his life and he fled to Turkey. There in Turkey, he had an individual who loaned him some money that went to a church and then the guy ran off with his money. So he started attending the church even though it was against his good nature, just to find out how he could track the guy down to get his money back. While he was attending the church, he was despising these people. Then he found out they were actually kind of nice people. Then he pitied them that they were such nice people, and yet they were infidels. So he began to pray that God would have mercy on them, and in the process, God had mercy on him. And he heard the gospel, and he was wonderfully saved. Some years after that, his wife was able to get out of Turkey and showed up with her two daughters. He actually has a photo when he shares his testimony of his wife and his two daughters as he picked them up at the airport and there's such darkness over them just an oppressive expression on their faces he took them into the home and he began to live with them and care for them and the wife became incredibly distressed she was distressed because he was so nice to her he was kind to the children he listened to what she had to say he was washing the dishes he was helpful he was attentive he wasn't anything like the man she had known before Something had happened, something bizarre and strange had happened. What has happened to you, she said. I can't live with this man. I don't know who this man is. He explained to her, having been found out, although he's trying to keep it a secret from her, that he'd become a follower of Jesus Christ. Of course, she was scandalized and she wanted to leave him, but she was in Turkey without anybody else to go to. She was on her own. Not only that, she kind of liked the fact that he was nice to her and nice to her children and did the dishes and those types of things, and eventually God worked in her life and she came to Christ as well. She refused to read the Bible, but she had a wonderful dream in which she was managing her way down a mountain and she came to a large cliff and the Lord Jesus came to her and lifted his hand out before her and all of a sudden the cliff she was on began to lower and the chasm below her began to raise up and she was able to walk across the plain and she shared her dream with her husband the next morning and he had been up reading his Bible where John said that the mountains will be made low and the valleys will rise up high to make a highway for our God. And God is making a highway for you, dear, to come to faith in his son Jesus. And she gave her life to Christ and 
at the end of his testimony, he shows a picture of himself and his wife and his two daughters, and they're beaming and they're glowing. And you can't attribute that to some natural thing that took place in their lives. It was the work of God, something that God did. Now here's another point that we made. It was our third point from our consideration of the past. And the point was this, that a person who has this new life finds that this life is expressing itself out from their life in consistent ways. Let's build on this a little bit. Go to 1 John. The letter of 1 John is addressing this very fact that there are consistent ways that manifest themselves in the life of a regenerate person, that there is a normal and consistent expression of the regenerate life that comes to all who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, true saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It expresses itself to all who have been awakened and have repented and have believed and have turned to Christ. This regenerate life expressive. John is interested, by the way, in the fellowship of the true church of Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, he says, I write to you that you might have fellowship with us, and our fellowship was with the Father and with the Son. He's wanting to enjoy this fellowship. And if you confess your sins, he says, the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you of your sins, and we'll have fellowship one with the other. He's interested in true fellowship within the body, and he knows that in this young church that there is a crisis that's taken place. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life today. Join us in our next broadcast as we consider from 1 John the consistent presentation of new life found in the true believer. You might read 1 John today for yourself and ask yourself if this describes you. To learn more about us or for a copy of this message, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.